We are on Yevamos Ein Tes Amabez 79b, beginning the Gemara. We just began the Mishnah in the last recording, and the Mishnah was discussing whether or not somebody who, either the deceased husband in a situation, a potential situation of Yibam, uh, the deceased husband, husband is a Sris, is somebody who's not able to have children, or the brother-in-law, the live brother-in-law is also a Sris. So we had a dispute in the Mishnah with regards to which cases, which different types of a Sris is allowed to do Yibam and Chalitam, which cannot. And so we had the opinion of Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva essentially said that if it's a case of Sris Chama, where from birth, already from birth, they're not able to have children, so then in that case, there's no mitzvah of Yibam or Chalitam, nothing. However, if it's a Sris Adam, <coughs> excuse me, where the person became a Sris after birth. Uh, so then you could do, there is a mitzvah to do Yibam or Chalitza uh, because there was a point in time where he was able to have children. That was the position of Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Lezer argued, but that was the position of Rabbi Kiva. And it seems from the Mishnah that the whole discussion centers around uh, Yibam issues, really about is there an obligation to do Yibam in a scenario where you're not able to have children because the the point of Yibam is to continue the legacy of the first marriage to the next generation. And so one would think that would have to do with the ability, there would only be an obligation if there's an ability to have children. The Gemara points out, and this is the opening Gemara, and what, we'll, what we will be discussing today, is that the Gemara points out that there's really also a side issue here, which is sort of ignored by the Mishnah a little bit. Uh, and that side issue is that, according to Rabbi Kiva, a Sris Adam, somebody who... Uh, was able to have children from birth, but sometime during his lifetime, something happened and he's no longer able to have children. So in that case, you could do you could do Rechalitza, uh, and there's there's a mitzvah, which means that there's the possibility and there's ability of him doing Yibam of marrying somebody else. But there's a separate problem because a Sris Adam, we've learned in the past, that somebody who becomes a Sris during their, his own lifetime so he is not allowed to marry into Kahal Hashem. He's not allowed to marry uh, most Jews. He's not allowed to marry into Kahal Hashem. So how could he even do Yibam? Or if it's the deceased husband, how could the deceased husband even get married to begin with? How could he even get married to begin with? And especially according to Rabbi Akiva. This question is really according to Rabbi Akiva. Why? Because if you recall, way back when, when we discussed this, Rabbi Akiva, there's a discussion, which types of prohibitive marriages are actually viewed as though they are married, even though it's not allowed, but they are married and therefore they would have to get divorced. And which ones are viewed as though it doesn't even take place? The marriage doesn't take place because there's a prohibition. So there's one opinion that we follow, which is that the prohibitions which involve kares, which is basically um, relationships within the family, which are a prohibition. So that it won't even be recognized as a marriage. But if it's just an ordinary negative commandment, so then it would be recognized. However, Rabbi Akiva argues, and Rabbi Akiva says that even when it comes to an ordinary negative commandment, it will not be recognized as a marriage. And this, in this case, a stris adam, somebody who's not able to have children, for them to attempt to get married to somebody who's part of Kahal Hashem, part of the congregation of Hashem, it will not be recognized according to Rabbi Akiva. That's an ordinary negative commandment and will not be recognized. So whether it's the deceased husband and then the marriage is just not recognized, or whether it's the brother-in-law, and if it's the brother-in-law, so then there should be no Zika. 
there should be no zika, there should be no connection between the sister-in-law and the brother-in-law because it's a situation which is just halakhically not recognized. Even if they were attempting to get married, it wouldn't be recognized. So there should be no zika whatsoever. And that's the Gemara's question. I don't understand, says the Gemara, according to Rabbi Akiva, who holds that an ordinary negative commandment uh, has the severity of a chiv kares, according to everybody else, has the severity of a very serious uh, punishment of kares of an early death. So then according to him, how is there, how are there ever an opportunity to do yibim rechalitza? There should be no marriage here, no recognized marriage here whatsoever. There should be no option for Yibam or Chalitza. So to this question, again, this is really a separate issue than what the mission is discussing. The mission is really discussing a Yibam-related issue, which is, is there a mitzvah of Yibam when the person can't have children, and, or isn't there a mitzvah of Yibam? That's one discussion. This is really a totally separate discussion. Obviously, this plays a role in the case that we're discussing, but it's a separate issue of how could they even get married to begin with? How could they have a mitzvah even to begin with? How could such a, a concept apply if uh, if the, it's not even recognized as a marriage according to Rabbi Akiva? So the Gemara answers will have three answers. They'll reject the first two answers and then be left with the third answer, but these are all very interesting answers. So Amar Rabbi Ami. Rabbi Ami says as follows. Hacha b'maya askinan. What's the case here? The case here is where the deceased brother married a convert and somebody who is a psuadaka, somebody who is not able to have children, they have crushed testicles or whatever the case is that they're not able to have children. Um, they, even though they're prohibited, there's a prohibition for them to marry into the Kala Hashem, into the congregation of Hashem, but they could marry a convert. Obviously, a convert is a full fledged Jew completely. Um, but still, they are allowed to marry a convert. And so that's the case. Essentially, the case is where uh, the, the sister-in-law is a convert, and everything's fine. There is no issue here. They could get married. But in al but it is definitely true that if the sister-in-law was not, uh, was not a giyoris, was not a convert, so then there would be no mitzvah of yibam rechalitza, according, even according to Rabbi Akiva, in a case of Sris Adam as well, in a case of where uh, he becomes unable to have children during his lifetime as well. So the case here is limited, according to answer number one, to a case where the sister-in-law is a convert. And the Gemara says, uh, And Rabbi Kiva follows the position of Rabbi Yossi, who says that Gerim converts are not viewed as part of the congregation of Hashem. They are Jews, but not part of the Kahal, the congregation. And so therefore, the Tzuadaka, the one who is not able to have children, is allowed to marry the sister-in-law. If this is true, so then why does Rabbi Akiva say that they should do chalitza? They could also do yibam. It's perfect. It's a, it's a mitzvah. They're allowed to do yibam. Let them go ahead and do yibam. They're allowed to get married to each other. So the Gemara says, It's true. They are allowed to do yibam. They're allowed to do yibam. So why did Rabbi Akiva and the Mishnah say that they should do chalitza? It seems to be that they shouldn't do Yibam. No, they really could do Yibam. And it's just because of the Aidi Dhamma Bishua Cholit, it's just because since Rabbi Yeshua, in the context of the Mishnah, the previous opinion of Yeshua, who mentioned this whole idea of Asris, he was only mentioned Chalitza. So Rabbi Kiva also continued in that direction and also only mentioned Chalitza. However, 
It is true. According to answer number one, you're allowed to also do Yibam. It's perfectly fine to do Yibam. In fact, we have a proof for this. Dekaname, what's the proof? Dekatani, hey, Rabbi Shuvah, Musera, Abem Guza, Shahai, Rushalayim, Swiss Adam, Vivmus, Ishto, the Kayim, Dibre, Rabbi Kiva, Shamamina. In the mission itself, one of the proofs for Rabbi Kiva was a case of Yibam. It was a case where the deceased husband was a Swiss Adam, was somebody who was not able to have children during his lifetime. Um, and they did the mitzvah of Yibam. The brother in law and sister in law did the mitzvah of Yibam. This proves to us that you're allowed to do Yibam in such a scenario, that the original marriage was viewed as a valid marriage because it was a case of a, a convert. The sister-in-law was a, or wife was a convert. Um, and so therefore they were allowed to be married and the marriage is recognized. Certainly it's not just recognized, but it's allowed. They don't have to get divorced. Um, and so they did Yibam. So this proves to us that Rabbi Kiva would also allow for Yibam. So, so far that is all answer number one. Essentially it's allowed because the sister-in-law is a convert. The Gemara has the following question on this. The Gemara says, Mesiv Rabbah. Rabbah asks, We have the following b'risa. The b'risa says as follows, Pitsua daka v'kris shivcha sris adam v'hazakin o'cholzen o'miyavmin. If we have a case, any of the following cases, crushed testicles, uh, the membrane, member is, is severed, it's a sris, somebody who's not able to have children and it started during his lifetime, or even somebody who's old, Somebody who, uh, an elderly person who is not able to have children anymore. So we still say, do chalitza or do yibam. But the, the b'risa continues, so far so good, that's fine. But the b'risa continues, ketad, what's the case? So they'll present two different cases. Mesu v'lehem nashim v'lehem achin v'amdu achin v'asu maimer v'nei shoseyen v'nasnu gedo shecholtzim asha asu asu v'nbalu kanu. If the case is where the husband, the deceased husband, is not able to have children, we say... That if the brother-in-law does anything, does maimer, gives a get, does chalitza, does yibam, it works. That case works. And also on the flip side, mesu, achin, v'amdu, hein, v'asu maimer, v'nesu, v'nesu, get, o'sha chalitza, masha asu, asu, v'imbalu, kanu. Also, what if the husband, the deceased husband, is not a sris? However, the brother-in-law, the brother-in-law is a sris. So what happens in that case? He's not able to have children. We say the same thing. They're allowed to do maimer. They could give a get. They could do chalitza. And if they do yibam, even if they do yibam, it works. In the end of the day, it works. But the b'risen continues. And this is where this goes against the first answer. Then it says, V'asr lekaiman. Even though the yibam works, you are not allowed to stay married. Why aren't you allowed to stay married? Mishim shenemar lo yovob tzu adakim v'kot shivcha b'kal Hashem. Alma b'kal The b'risen says... That they're not allowed to stay married. It says you're allowed to. It says that there's a mitzvah of chalitzer yibum. You should do chalitzer yibum. But if you did yibum, you're not allowed to stay married because the sister-in-law is part of kal Hashem, is part of the congregation of Hashem. So according to the brayso, we see here that this follows the position of Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva is the one who holds that if it's a case of stress Adam, where they became a stress, they, they're not able to have children uh, during the person's lifetime, not when they were born, but during the person's lifetime. That's when it started. So they're allowed to do chalitza yibam. That's the position of Rabbi Kiva. And yet the Bryce is also saying that we're not dealing with a case where the sister-in-law is a convert. We're dealing with a case where the sister-in-law is part of Kahal Hashem, is part of the congregation of Hashem. And so therefore this rejects the first answer. The whole first answer is assuming that the sister-in-law is not part of Kahal Hashem, is not part of the congregation of Hashem, and therefore they're allowed to get married. They're allowed to do yibam. This Bryce is saying that no, the case is where the sister-in-law is, is part of Kahal Hashem and they're not allowed to stay married. They are not allowed to stay married. So how do you explain this according to Rabbi Kiva? So now we have to go on to answer number two. 
Answer number two is also interesting. El Amar Rabba wants to say as follows. Kigon, The case here is where, let's say, nobody is a Sris right now. No, everybody could have children. The deceased husband passes away. Now, the brother-in-law, at the time that he passes away, is able to have children. But before he does even Merchalitza, it turns into a situation where he's a Sris Adam, where he's no longer able to have children. And says Rabba, since at the time of death of the deceased husband, he was able to have children, so there was Zika was created, the bond was created, and as such, because the bond was created, so therefore, uh, even though right now, after the fact, he's not able to have children, the brother-in-law is not able to have children, but still you have to do Chalitza. You still have to do Chalitza to get rid of that bond. You have to get rid of that bond, and therefore you would have to do Chalitza. And that's the position of Rabbah. That's the case where he became a Sris after uh, the deceased husband passed away. Amalei Abaye. Abaye argues on this. And he says, I don't understand. He says, I don't understand. According to Rabbi Akiva, we're always within Rabbi Akiva here. Rabbi Akiva says that for a Petsua Daka, for somebody who is not able to have children, for them to marry somebody else who's part of Kal Hashem, who's part of the congregation of Hashem, it... It uproots the entire marriage. The entire marriage is uprooted. And if that's the case, it uproots the entire marriage. I don't care if it happens after the deceased husband passed away. It shouldn't make a difference. Even if it happens after the deceased husband passes away, if it uproots a marriage, it should uproot the Zika. The entire bond between the sister-in-law and brother-in-law before they do even Rechalitza should be completely uprooted. It should be done. Because there is no... There's no ability for them to get married, asks Abaye. And I have a proof for this, he says. We have the following proof. The Mishnah says, what happens if you have, let's say, a brother-in-law, you have two brothers, and there are also two sisters. And one of the brothers, let's say you have Reuven and Shimon, we're back to the names as we get back into the Yibam topics, Reuven and Shimon are brothers. Rachel and Leah are sisters. However, Rachel is a sister who is a minor. She's under the age of 12. So Reuven does a, has a rabbinic marriage, let's say, with Rachel, who is under the age of 12. Shimon is perfectly married with Leah. Leah is, uh, is older than 12, and they're, they're married. Shimon dies. Okay, so Shimon dies. Now, Reuven is in a difficult situation here. Because Ruvain really, if Rachel was would have been older and not a minor, they would be per, they would be completely married, um, and then he would not be able to do Yibum or Chalitza with Leah because that's Rachel's sister. Uh, but the case here is where they're only rabbinically married. So one of the suggestions of Rabbi Gamliel is that they should wait until Rachel gets older. Don't do anything. Wait till Rachel gets older. Once Rachel gets older, they're fully married, and then that uproots the entire Zika. It uproots the entire bond, meaning at the time of the death of Shimon, of the brother, there would be a mitzvah of Yibam Rechalitza because there would be this zika on a biblical level, maybe not on a rabbinic level, but on a biblical level, there would be this zika, this bond, because Rachel, Ruvain's wife, is not old enough for it to be viewed as a completely biblical marriage on a biblical level. Um, but only afterwards, only a little bit later, after Rachel uh, reaches the age of 12 and then it becomes a full-fledged marriage, only then is the Zika uprooted. So we have precedent for such a concept that there could be Zika, there could be this bond, and then later on it gets uprooted. So we should say the same thing over here. It should get uprooted. So it, we reject suggestion number two according to Abaye 
because it should uproot the Zika. Who cares that he became a Pseudadaka, that he became somebody who's not able to have children after the deceased husband passes away? Who cares? There was Zika, there was a bond, but it gets uprooted afterwards. So then the Gemara has to lead on to its final answer. Ella, Amr of Yosef. Hi, Tana Hach, Tana Debeir, Bikivihi, the Amr, Machai Belavin, the Sheer of Mamzer, Machai Belavin, Gride, Lohav, and Mamzer. The final answer of the Gemara says that, you know what, with Idi Rabbi Kiva, when we did Rabbi Kiva, who says that there are, uh, even for an ordinary negative commandment, it's not viewed as a, as a marriage, as a legal marriage, even for ordinary negative commandments, but there's a pin, different opinions within Rabbi Kiva, how much do we limit it to? And there are some opinions that say that it's only limited to an ordinary negative commandment, which has to do with the family, it has to do specifically with within the family and marrying other members of the family. And so that's, that's a case where there is, where it, the child becomes a mom's heir and it's not recognized as a marriage. Those are the cases. But if it's just an regular ordinary negative commandment that has nothing to do with relatives, so then even Rabbi Kiva would agree that the marriage could, you have to get divorced, but the marriage is at least recognized. The marriage would be recognized. And therefore, in our case, we're discussing a case where a person's not able to have children. They cannot marry into Kala Hashem, into the congregation of Hashem. That is an ordinary negative commandment. Nothing to do with relatives. Absolutely nothing to do with relatives. And as such, uh, even Rabbi Kiva would agree that it would be recognized as a marriage. They would have to get divorced, but it would be recognized as a marriage. Once it is recognized as a marriage, so then none of these questions apply. The question doesn't apply because since it's recognized as a marriage, so there would be a Zika. We would say that there is Zika. There is this bond that's created between the sister-in-law and brother-in-law. They would have to do Chalitza. They can't get married because you're not allowed to get married, but there would still be this bond and they would have to do Chalitza in the end of the day. Okay, so that concludes that discussion in the Gemara, and we will continue with this discussion um, and the overall topic in the next recording as we are towards the very bottom of Ayin Tesama Bay 79b.